Bolina show presented by BNB Automotive and Superior Auto Service. The game plan on a Monday. We're going to hear Jimbo Fisher post W over LSU. We're going to listen to Antonio Johnson. We're going to listen to Damani Richardson. We're going to listen to A-Chain post W over LSU. The celebration, the joy after getting a win over a top five team to end a long year, a long season. So we'll hear Jimbo and the players and just listen to their voices and listen to the energy, enthusiasm in their voice talking about the win over LSU. Today is Monday. Check. High school sports update 1155. Thanks to Kelly Burt Dozer. The weekend that was for A&M Consolidated. Brian High. College Station High. Rudder. The Brazos Valley High School. It is the high school sports update 1155. Thanks to Kelly Burt Dozer. At 105. That's every Monday. Mitch Light of the Athletic. We'll talk about the key games of this past weekend. Michigan with the beatdown on Ohio State. Clemson face-planting against South Carolina. And we will touch upon championship weekend this Saturday. So Mitch Light of the Athletic on the Smoothie King Hotline 105. That added up. That's Monday on the Louis Bellina Show. If you would like to join in on the conversation at any time about anything, Text me or call me. The number's the same. Duh, right? 979-693-1150. 979-693-1150. You want to celebrate the LSUW. You want to talk about the 2023 offseason. You want to talk about today and tomorrow. You want to talk about, Lou, what holiday movie should I see this year? Anything goes. Text now, 979-693-1150. Once you hit send, I will see all text messages inside the Texas Mobile One Lube Express inbox. Texas Mobile One Lube Express owned by Gabriel Garcia. Saturday, the Aggies upset LSU 38-23. The Aggies knock off the number five team in the country. Not just any team. The word rival is a bit strong for some. I would say the number one SEC team that the word hate could apply. Strong dislike as a fact. A school, it's very hard to respect. I would say due to, well, their football program, their athletic department, and uh, their fans. They're, They're very hard to like. They're a school that ranks one or two on the I really would like to beat them by 50 list that you have each year entering the season. At one point, A&M had lost like six or seven straight to LSU. Well, now A&M, and you really wish it was a sign of how the times have changed, but you're still losing to the Mississippi schools. But A&M has flipped the script in this series. Seven overtimes or one A-chain later. A&M is screwing up LSU's plans, getting their coaches fired and other such things. Well, they got one coach an extra year, but that was one time way back. And to end a year, which has been a struggle, a year that has been hard to dig out a lot of highlights and just 
positivity from. Aggie football sent the fan base off with soul food. Something that anytime this offseason you feel a little down, you feel a little low, you can think LSU. It was a great win. Like I said, soul food for the fans. It was complete. There's no controversy. There's no luck. There's no, oh, just one bad day. A&M lined up against the number five team in the country and beat them. End of conversation. There was no flukes and no accidents. A&M was the better team. How? That's a great mystery. How? How did A&M play its first four-quarter game of the year? How did A&M's offensive line pull out a performance like that? I'm not stunned by A-Chain's performance. If you had an O-line that could at least perform to the level you saw Saturday, I would have figured that A-Chain would have about three 200-yard games this year. That's not a joke. And the play of the game was Damani Richardson's defensive touchdown coming out of the half. A&M had the lead at the half. But LSU had just tied it. A&M's offense went back-to-back, three and outs. And it started to feel like this familiar script where there were a couple other games this year that A&M had 14 points in that, 17 points in that, and looked really good only to totally disappear in the second. And here's LSU had scored the touchdown to tie and two, three and outs, and LSU had the ball to try and take the lead. And just, it started to feel uncomfortable. And Damani with the scoop and score, and LSU never bounced back from that. So both sides of the ball, that's what I mean. It was complete, it was utter, it was thorough. And... For me, kind of mentioned this on the post-game show, because when we do our zone call-in show, brought to you by Tex-Eggs, after every home game, it's kind of like your big thought, takeaway. There's been questions about culture, program, players leaving program, players, 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 players. You do not get the performance that you got Saturday unless you still have the player's attention talking about the coaching staff, unless they're still willing to play for you. And I'm talking about Jimbo. If you were going to, if 30 players were looking to leave the program, this mass exodus we've heard of, you don't get that performance Saturday because most of those players have spent all week working on their Instagram and TikToks and Facebook and getting the graphic lined up and the right font for their, I'm entering the portal you know, posts that they had. They'd been busy doing that and not watching LSU tape. If the whole mass exit, and there's going to be Aggies leaving. There's already four, but still. It told me when you see a a four quarter performance, how invested they still were in each other and the coaching staff, how the buy-in was real. Devon A. Chain ends up being the poster child This is a first, okay, he's a first three-round NFL pick. We're in there, can't tell you. I I shared with you the latest ESPN, all four of their draft experts have A-chain ranked one, two, or three. He's three or two. He didn't have a one ranking, so he's two or three in all four of their draft experts' running back rankings for the upcoming draft, right? That's A-chain. 
And he could have missed this game. And based on the injury, just not being 100%, no bowl, no stakes, nothing, he could have missed this game. And no one would have said boo. Because it not 100%, it, it wouldn't have made him evil. He wouldn't have been less an Aggie. But the fact that he busted his buttocks to get back and get in and to play. And that's the leader maybe this program kind of had needed. When you talk about all this youth, one of the problems that's popped up from time to time, who's leading them? Is it the young leading the young when you're so upperclassmen? That was one of the things about Anaya Smith getting injured. Was it, it, you know, robbed you of some leadership? But maybe just the example of what A-Chain was doing, just because what it meant to him maybe to have one more game in the maroon and white, one more chance to get a W, one more chance to play at Kyle Field, that the other players could feed off of it. And then you get Saturday. You get a four-quarter game where you beat the number five team in the country. No controversy, no doubt, no question. You are the better team. But that was kind of like the biggest takeaway that this team was willing to play this hard and be that focused and that locked in for each other and this staff. That's a pretty big deal for some of the other meta questions around the program. Not to step aside, you could text me what you think. We'll be doing a text message sweep, I promise. 1135 Jimbo Fisher, what did he say? After the W, I have a text message from Eric in College Station. says, Lou, is there a Jimbo Fisher press conference today? No. The Monday press conferences are game week only, and uh, the, the season is over. And with no bowl, there won't be a bowl press conference. If anything, maybe, but doubtful, an end-of-the-season press conference could take place. To be honest, if you take a look at the next, I guess it's three weeks, right? Early signing day, transfer portal, staff changes. And transfer portal, whenever I say that, I mean in and out. The players you need to get out of it and the players you're trying to keep out of it, okay? Players in, players out. I mean, working both sides of it. Early signing day and staff changes, which could tie into portal moves. I don't know if he has time to do a press conference to uh, uh, be honest with you, but there is none today, Eric and College Station. I'll be right back. This is the Louis Bolina Show, live inside the Charles Schwab studio. You know, those aren't guitars. the right amount of funky tonight is the night we'll fight till it's over so we put our hands up like the ceiling can hold us it is the louis bolina show presented by bnb automotive and superior auto service this just in devon a chain sec offensive player of the week damani richardson sec defensive player of the week connor wigman SEC Freshman of the Week. SEC does their weekly awards. They do it weekly. See how weekly awards week work weekly? And A&M, and that's the key. Not flukily. Not 
oh, one in a hundred. No, A&M lining up and beating LSU Saturday. The accolades, the awards rolling in. Devon A-Chain, Offensive Player of the Week. That's a 215 yards rushing will do for you on 38 carries, both career highs. Damani Richardson, Defensive Player of the Week. That play was the play of the game. That stole the momentum back and LSU never recovered. Only score of the third quarter, but it's the only score they needed to stabilize the game. And Connor Wegman, Wigman was the freshman of the week. So congrats and whoop. All the above. Rusty Burson texted me and said, Lou, I love the LSU win and the Bama win last year, but those two games make our record in the other 22 games played the last two years even more inexplicable. Take away the two top five wins, and the Aggies are 11-11 and in 21-22. That's awfully frustrating. Rusty, I would agree 103.8% that Aggie football over the past two years has been, and how did you phrase it, awfully frustrating. The fact that you do beat Alabama with Calzada at quarterback, that you beat LSU, number five in the country, after barely, you know, barely, after hitting 20 against UMass. I mean, all these odd, frustrating things. And then, you know, you're losing to the Mississippi schools. And you're losing to Auburn. It is awfully frustrating. I'll tell you, Rusty, something I thought about. Why does A&M play under Jimbo? play like the toughest on their schedule the best and then kind of slaps around when they play the, the the mid and the weak. You know, why can't they just be consistent in their effort and then never have to worry about App State and Auburn or South Carolina? Why, why do you get those Alabama LSU efforts for them? And give me an Alabama LSU offered effort for Auburn. And you beat Auburn by 21. Don't know. Don't don't understand the ebb and flow. I mean, personally, if I was taking a shot at it, O-line. When you've had the O-line that A&M's had for the past two years, everything will be inconsistent. Everything is inconsistent. You can't plan. You can't count on anything. And with that being said, I, I tweeted this out Saturday night. Applaud this A&M offensive line. They've taken the heat, rightly so, for about 11 games this year. But in game number 12, tip your cap, applaud, pat on the back, a hell yeah, whatever you want. This old line. I thought the number one mismatch was the front seven of LSU against A&M's O-line. I thought Perkins and Olajari were just going to dine, you know, Saturday night. I thought it was their dream game. And that AMO line, their best game of the year, there is no second place. They had a fabulous performance. Again, where it, 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 it toys with your head going like, if you can do that against them, how did you get pushed around? Because oh, every game is different. That's why. Injuries, suspensions, and learning curves, and a million reasons why, actually, right? But yeah, Rusty, back to yours, you know, beat Alabama when they were two last year, right? Were they two last year? And then 
LSU five this year, and again Alabama this year. You were two yards away again, and it's it, again, and and then you lose to App State, and you and you struggle with bad teams. There, there's no consistency, I, I think, with the whole line. But back to this game. I just shared with you the SEC Weekly Awards where A-Chain is the Offensive Player of the Week. This is the SEC League. Damani's the D Player of the Week and Connor's the Freshman of the Week. If you want to hand out your accolades, you know, two stars, three stars, that kind of thing. On the offense, it's A-Chain. But tell me 1B is not Moose and 1C is the Anum Offensive Line. Both of Moose's catches, well, he had more than two. But he made two of the sickest catches of the year. That one-hander, and he's made more than one-hander. He's the only player on this team I've seen who can make one-handed catches consistently. But one-handed, double-teamed, and even, I think, got bumped. Oh, man. Beautiful. Just beautiful. So, A-Chain was the star of the game. But you, you got to give Moose like B, 1B, and 1C is the animal line. On the defensive side, did they shut down LSU? No. Did they absolutely contain LSU? That's the job you do. They didn't let Jaden Daniels do any 50 and 60-yard runs. They didn't let him be the difference maker. They kept him contained. They spied him fairly often. LSU confused me about something. Well, okay. A, LSU confused me when Les Miles went for the two-point conversion when they still needed to score two more touchdowns before they needed to worry about going for two to win, not even tie. That was bizarre. I know it's Brian Kelly. I just thought that was very Les Miles. That, That confused me. But that wasn't even the bigger picture. If LSU had done any... Okay, I wonder if with the short week, if LSU just watched Georgia tape and didn't prepare for A&M at all. Every other team ran on A&M and just kept running. And why did LSU go into these stretches of going past happy with a running quarterback that A&M was containing? Like, their philosophy or whatever you want to call it seems so backwards. When every other team had the blueprint, and the blueprint was just just run, and if you're worried you're not running for enough, just keep running. But they wouldn't commit. They thought they were going to be smarter, like going for two down 21. Okay. Text messages. Cuervo Ag. The win versus LSU in context of the other games of the season is why we have boss battered Aggie syndrome which resulted in storming Kyle Field after a 5-7 season. I'm going to be very clear about storming the field. I think it was beautiful. I think it was cathartic. I think it was true emotion. I have no problem with it. I know way too many people that are trying to make fun of it. and Five wins and you storm the field. It's not about the season. Not one of those people that storm the field storm the field to celebrate the season. And for all the people that are pointing out the season, when you're talking about storming the you know field, you're being on purposely obtuse about this, or you just want to try and poke fun at A and M without using a, a a drop of common sense. They were celebrating the game 
and they were celebrating the moment. The second, I live in a sports world that I can't celebrate the game in the moment. I don't want to be a part of sports. That rush, the adrenaline, is why we're sports junkies. It's why we're sports fans. Because it is about the game, and it is about the moment. And you're telling me a year in which you're an Aggie fan, and you had to think about the games we had to watch. Think about what we've had to sit through. You lost App State. You lost an interim coach in a second game. UMass allowed the fewest points of the year to any opponent was A&M. We've sat through some absolutely miserable, like banging my hand with a hammer while there's a toothpick in my eye games. And then you get LSU. Storm the field. And no one. And I don't think there's one person storming the field going, five and seven, five and seven. It was celebrating that performance, that team, this moment, that win. I got no problem with it. So if you're expecting some kind of, oh, new army scoring to hell, or some kind of, I'm so embarrassed by these kids, this is the wrong place. It is a view I do not share. I'm happy they stormed the field. Because remember how I was talking about that this game showed how the players still had buy-in to each other, buy-in to their coaches. They were still invested. Hell, the fans storming the field. They could have checked out back in October. They could have checked. There's a lot of points this season that an Aggie fan could have checked out, and they wouldn't have been wrong. And the fact that enough of them cared enough to storm the field, beating a team that they don't really like and peeing in their cereal and all the other things that went along with it, denying them any college football playoff hope, who cares? Just ending the season that way and the fans felt that way about it? Take the field. Take the field. I got no issue with it. So if you're expecting me to do this old army thing, I'm sorry, I'm not with you in case you couldn't tell. Let's take a timeout. This is the Louis Bellina Show, live inside. Oh, yeah, the Charles Schwab Studio. It is the Louis Bellina Show, presented by B&B Automotive and Superior Auto Service. Two remarkable businesses, one great Family. Text messages are rolling in. We're going to end hour number one with a text message sweep. So keep texting me, 979-693-1150. Questions, comments, opinions, all are welcome. 979-693-1150. You can fill up the Texas Mobile and Lube Express inbox. But it's time now a listen in. Jimbo Fisher met with the media after the W after over, over LSU Saturday. You're ready. Happy for our seniors and our players uh, they've overcome a lot uh, tough situation to keep fighting and doing the things they had to do very proud of them very proud for our fans and, and we got to have a great game here and very proud for these seniors to go out their last game ever in Kyle Field in a big win in a big situation so guys did a really nice job in all three phases I thought uh, special teams we did a good job we kicked the ball well 
uh, returned it well. Kodak did the things we had to do. Uh, defensively, I thought we did a nice job. They, they got some yards and got some things going early, but we bent and kept them to a couple field goals. Got that big critical turnover in the second half. It got touchdowns. Uh, offensively, we controlled the line of scrimmage and we're really efficient on the night. Stayed out of negative plays. Stayed ahead of the chains. Uh, the chain was awesome. I mean, just absolutely awesome. Mari ran the ball well when he got in there. Uh, 22, we'd put him in there too, but the chain was so hot. Uh, thought our receivers, uh, Moose was uh, made two big catches. Made one of them with one arm because they were holding the other. And uh, and did that, but uh, you know he made some nice plays in the game, really big plays too. That got us down for that third score and got us up. Connor, I thought, made the throws, managed the game, understood what we went, went checks, made really smart plays on the night, and, and had great couple big scrambles that really helped us. And guard our offensive line, I thought, and our tight ends did a really nice job in the game. Our fullbacks blocking and we executed. And that's the match. What happens when you execute? You move the ball up and down the field in defense. We got critical stops and played a really good football game. It's a really good team. Start with the left third row, Mark. Then to the right, Brent. Jimbo, I'm going to ask a question the whole country's asking. Where's that been all year? Well, that's what I was saying. It's young guys and growing and developing. And it's, it's there. It's what I said. It's going to be there. And there's nothing wrong with what we're doing. How, it's how we got to do it and how we got to get the maturity out of them and what happens and, and execute what we got. And our kids just relaxed and played, and they, they grew up. And they, and they matured. And there's a lot of like say, injuries and young guys all year. It's not an excuse, but that's the facts of life. And you, you see it, they could do it in streaks, couldn't do it at whole times. And then that this game, we finally put it together for 60 minutes and played a really good game. Third, it's that simple, period. Third, third row on right, Brent, and then what, to left. What does that say about A-Chain, the fact that he returned from the injury when maybe he could have just said he, he was not going to finish it I out? I told you he wasn't. Yet, right. You didn't believe me. <laughs> you, guys, you guys sitting here wouldn't believe us. that these guys, You, you guys trying to make the players say they were going to quit and do everything else, they wouldn't do it. And I said they weren't. You questioned everything they did on that, all you all did. And uh, that team was very tight together, and it shows the character and who he is and what he is. What does that say? What does that say about him to come out? What I just said. It says a lot. He's a tremendous human being, and a tremendous player, and a tremendous leader, and a tremendous competitor. He has nothing but heart and toughness about him, and everything he does. To the left, Olin. Jimbo, did y'all approach this um, as, hey, this is like this is our bowl game, and did it feel like a bowl game? No. Okay. And secondly, um, y'all came out of the uh, uh, start of the second half. and uh, mis-executed two plays. I wanted to ask uh, what was different. That was kind of like the situation with Florida. What we was just different mis-executed this time? plays. It was there, and we just threw it. Got to get our head around and threw a ball behind, and uh, didn't get, and didn't stay on the read on third down. It was that simple. The plays were there. Down front, Travis, and then to the left, Alex. Two SEC wins this year, and Damani Richardson had made a key play in both of them. What is it about him that he finds himself in those those positions? Yeah, Damani's Lon- played a lot of ball. He's a very veteran player. He's been around a long time. He knows how to win. He's a great leader. And he's going to play no matter what, and, and he's, he's going to ha- hopefully have a nice career at the next level. And how important was it for each one of the guys to have Connor, Devon, and Evan all out there at the same time? I think it's only the second time this year that all three have been on the field. At yeah, the same not time. very, not very often. Like I say, the injuries and the things, and then get Moose in there and playing, and Noah Thomas and the tight ends and, and then our line. It was good. I mean, like I say, we still haven't had our full team, but I'd say that's ball. Sometimes you have those years. You got to learn to overcome it. That's why you got to build depth and keep executing. Second row on the left, Alex. I got a couple on Devon. Uh, just when when push came to shove, you guys went with the run game. What were you seeing from LSU's defense that want, you wanted to keep well, running the ball? Listen, they have great loose down players. They're great pass rush guys. They're great guys that can rush and things. And you don't want to get in situations to let them do that. And uh, we had to, we had we thought schemes in which we had, and we could get hats on hats. And our guys did a great job of blocking them. 
And just as Devon maybe looms his future, what has he just meant to this offense the last few years? Well, he's a very versatile guy. That's 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 his greatness. It's not it's his speed, but it's his natural instincts to play the game and his versatility to block, to run, to catch, to catch it down the field, to return. I mean, he can do everything on a football field, and he's a tremendous and very humble human being. Amazingly humble. Front right, Cole. Jimbo, for Connor to have the night that he had against this defense, how does that help him better himself going into the offseason? Well, you learn how to win. You learn how to win. You learn how to manage a game. Sometimes manage a game throwing for 400 yards. Sometimes it's throwing for 150 and being highly efficient and throwing touchdowns and being great on third down and doing the things you got to do. And there's numbers don't dictate wins. Situations dictate wins and knowing how to play and how to win and how to grow, grow as a quarterback. And he's doing it. He's a very intelligent young man. And then when you look at Moose Muhammad's growth and maturity, where has he really stood out, especially over the last couple of weeks? Well, I think he has tremendous, Moose has tremendous ball skills. He's a strong bodied, sure hand, very sure handed guy, makes contested catches and uses his body very well, can stick his foot in the ground, can separate. And he has a, he has a tremendous future ahead of him. I mean, a tremendous future ahead of him. And then are you going to have cornflakes later? Huh? You're going to have cornflakes later? No. Fourth row on the left. About, yeah, Coach, uh, just wondering. You used to a, him as a kid. Don't eat him no more. Yeah, Coach, just wondering from a momentum standpoint, how big is it to have a win like this heading into the offseason? I think it's good for your confidence and what goes on, and it shows you what you're capable of. But, you know, it also shows you you could be, you know, those are things you got to grow to. And, and that's part of growing up to getting to winning and learning how to do that. And our kids had to fight through that and learning. They played in stretches during the year, but learn, and you got to learn. It's not just your ability, but your mental toughness to compete in games. And that's what I think they continually grew and grew on. On the right aisle, Justin. Jimbo, it's 17-17. They get the ball back, seem to have all the momentum. Then you force the fumble, but mm-hmm. then your offense builds off of the turnover and goes and scores. You haven't been able to do that a lot this year, so what's it say about the team's growth? Well, that's what I said. We played, finally played off each other. Like, like you know, even when we used to punt the ball back, we'd move it to midfield, punt them in, and I'd attend. We weren't getting stops all year. We were getting the ball back down here and getting balls out. We played to each other. With the defense, the first half, we scored three straight drives. We come out, we go three and out, we mis-execute two plays and get it, and then we miss an, another play. On a miss a block on the second series and get it again, then they get the turnover, and then we go right back to pounding and, and getting their confidence. And it was just a matter of executing, back to relaxing and executing plays. And it's that simple. I mean, there's no magical formula. It's continuing to not get bored and do your job each and every play, and not look too much into something. For you as a play caller, when you go tempo, I guess there's probably less pre-snap motion. But what's your philosophy on pre-snap motion? What does that help no, Wigman do? You can you can motion in pre-snap. It just listen tempo. <sighs> We're so caught up in tempo. Name me a tempo team that's won a national championship. Call one. There ain't one. There ain't one in the last 15 years. Y'all ain't caught up in tempo. Tempo tempo ain't won a national championship. All right? So teams that line up and play good football. You can run tempo, and you can have parts of it, and you can use tempo off and on, but pure tempo teams haven't won one. So we can say that all we want. Okay? You can run tempo. You cannot run tempo. It depends on what your game plan is. You have to – not dude for your team to win that game. Sometimes it's tempo, sometimes it's not tempo. To the left, Sam. Hey, Jimbo, a couple things. One, how do you reconcile the promise that you see with how many young guys are out there making plays on the field tonight with the missed opportunities that you've had throughout this season? It's, it's ball. That's called – When you, you got kids? Yes, two. You don't understand how old? Seven and two. All right. <laughs> when they're 12 and 13, see if they're doing what they're doing when they're seven and two. <laughs> That's what that's what it gets down to, and and you got to help coach them, and you got to lead them, you got to and you got to show them, and they got to learn how to get over that hump, 
And that's disappointing. That's as coaches. That's our job, no matter what it is, no matter what that circumstance is. If we had some older guys stayed healthy, maybe it changed, but we didn't. And that's our fight. That's as coaches. That's the situation you're in. That's as a coach. You have to do that. And it's about learning how to win, learning how to stay mature, learning how to focus for the whole time, and learning that there's not a secret to this. There's nothing fabulous about this. Just go do your job. Run your route, make your block, fit your run, do your things you got to do, and play. There's no magical formula. But mature, there's no substitute for maturity and age and development. And you got to grow through that. And it just shows them. And, they, and listen, they haven't. And when we showed them on film all year, those things, yes, sir, and they bought right in it. And we haven't. Listen, I, I don't, they don't do it on purpose. I know that. We go back and coach the heck out of them on that, on that week. They, and that, uh, the whole year, they have practiced hard, done hard. We ain't played well in that movie. Coaching, we got to do a better job coaching them in that. But at the same time, now they can start to see where that comes from, and that's part of growth, and hopefully we can build on that in the future. We'll see. We'll find out. And what what does your next few days look like in terms of kind of what's, what's on your plate in yeah, terms of evaluation? We'll get our team together and give them a criteria for what we're doing in December, the lifting, the classes, all that type of stuff, and, and we'll get the recruiting trail going. We'll go back behind the lights to Daryl on the left and then Ben on the right. Coach, I have two questions for you. First, in the first half, I think, Three possessions, 17 points. That's where, you, that's where you wanted it all year long. I mean, taking advantage of the ball. Possess- I take more possessions. <laughs> but making the mo- pretty much making the most of the possessions that you had in the first half. That's what you want all the time, yes. My second question to you is on uh, Devon, the fact that I think he needed 113 to get to 1,000, and he surpassed that and then some. Just, I didn't even know that. <laughs> just on him becoming a 1,000-yard rusher. It's, I mean – that's a, that's a criteria and a mark, but, I mean, you know, he could be a 2,000-yard rusher. He's capable of doing that, too. I mean, he, he's, he's a capable guy, catches, and I, I love – I mean, he's one of my favorite guys to coach because he gets he gets ball. He's a natural player, but he's so smart, so in, instinctive, and you can tell him something one time, and he just naturally does it. Back behind the lights to the right, Ben. Coach, just a couple questions about the O-line. Uh, any particular aspect of their run blocking you thought uh, pleased you the most? Just push angles, anything particular stood out. Zone, we ran zone gap schemes. They were blocking down the gaps, and they were hitting the zones, and we weren't getting penetration, and we were getting hats to hats and getting it declared. And our tight ends, too, our tight ends and fullbacks did a really nice job in that, too. But and that, then, they, all, they all did a really nice job. Given how well y'all were able to run the ball, how, how much do you think that affected uh, you know, their ability, or your ability, I should say, to limit their pass rush and not have some well, of Well, that, that's huge. That's, that's the whole thing. You can't get in long downs. They're a great loose-down team in that regard. And not that they didn't play the run well, but – you know, you got loose downs, man. They were hard to they were hard to handle. They had a lot of guys could rush and play, and you had to make them take on block that they couldn't. I'm not saying that at all, but you were better off trying to do that, and we were able to run it, and then we keep and working the clock in the right down and distance situation. All right, coach. Thanks for your time. We'll get Thank the player. Jimbo Fisher post victory over LSU. We listen into what he had to say. Lunchtime, twelve o'clock hour, which is brought to you by Rudy's Barbecue. We're going to listen into some of the players. The victory over LSU. I think deserves its full celebration. This is the Louis Bellina Show inside the Charles Schwab studio on a Monday. Support comes from Mark Sim at the Charles Schwab branch in College Station. Schwab offers a modern approach to wealth management. They have financial planning to meet your specific needs, and they have the flexibility to adapt as your needs change at time. If you want to learn more, go to schwab.com slash College Station. There's quite a bit of text message reaction to the comments. Sean on campus said, the theme of Jimbo's comments, I told you so. I will admit, I felt like, and it made me cringe a little bit, 
there was a little bit too much. I told you so. I'll tell you this. I understand Jimbo's been under fire for about two months. It's not two weeks. It's about two months. And for Jimbo to beat the number five team in the nation, I understand there has to be a feeling of validation. And with for two months now, everyone criticizing everything you do, from the hat you wear to the timeouts you call, everything, to have a nice win, a nice screw you guys kind of moment had to feel good. But that, that post-game interview had a lot of, I told you so. I hope that was public and not private. I hope that's not his mindset going into the offseason is I'm right, I told you so. That's all. That's my walkaway thought on that. I mean, <laughs> you can tell after two months of being battered that he was enjoying the I told you so of beating the number five team in the country. And just as long as that was public, I'm okay with it. I just hope that's not his approach to everything moving forward. That's all. I have a couple of people texting about storming the field. Michael said, just got to wonder if the quarter of a million could not be better used. Michael, you think A&M's got a problem? 250K? I mean, you're really... Look, if you want to say you don't agree with it, because he says, as a recent transplant, I understand the frustration led to storming, but then you do the butt part. You know, but you feel like 250 mil can be better. 250 mil is petty cash at Texas A&M right now. That, they'll just raise our ticket prices. I mean, no, don't try and cushion this whole thing of, you know, I get why we storm the field, but no, that doesn't work, man. Just just putting it out there. No, just no. 250K at A&M. Man, that isn't even going to buy you a starting wide receiver at 250K. So, yeah, no, that doesn't work. I, I find that to be a false just trying to say, I get it, but I still hate it. No, no, no. Hipster said, I didn't like the cornflake question. Thought it was childish. I will say, now look, I don't know all the relationship context, arrows, and so forth. So I don't know that media person's relationship with Jimbo. But the media person blurted out about cornflakes. Jimbo no-sold that. He looked like Brock Lesnar going against a luchador. Jimbo no-sold the cornflakes question. What did he say? I've been old, older for a while. I don't eat those. It just, that got no play at all. So, I guess, hey, you know what? The media guy took a shot and, and it airballed. Anonymous texted, said, Howdy, Louie. I had a feeling we would see a better A&M team on the last game. I hope they played well because they're locked in and not to show for the portal we will soon see. That was anonymous. And then Landon texted, 250K with three. Oh, that's laughy circle facey things with small hands on it. So that's Landon's feeling about 250K. And I think that effectively, yeah. That that's how I feel about it. Just saying, I, yeah, okay. I just can't help but think, you know, what all we could have done with that two hundred fifty k. No, two hundred fifty k right now, Aggie football. That's like I said, that's petty cash. I don't, I don't even know if that pays for the next 
I don't know, assistant, consultant, guru, cameraman, whatever football needs. I mean, I'm not worried about those things. One final timeout. We'll come back. We'll wrap up our number one of the Louis Bellina show presented by B&B Automotive and Superior Auto Service. show from inside the Charles Schwab studio still to come maroon and white notebook all things uh still got a lot of Aggie football not just the LSU game we still need to talk AM basketball had a nice win Saturday Chicago against DePaul that noon game so we have the maroon and white notebook we're going to listen in about 1235 to the Aggie football players post W over LSU at 105 Mitch Light of the Athletic the weekend that was by the way, it was an epic, epic, epic rivalry weekend. It, it was that college football. Your team might disappoint you. College football never, ever disappoints you. College football is glorious. It's so much fun. And to have the Aggies put the cherry on top of the weekend with the dub over LSU, that's about as good a night's sleep as I've had this year. Don't know about your universe, just mine. But that was about as hell yeah a moment as you could have, I think. So, Mitch Light of the Athletic 105 on the Smoothie King Hotline. You know, whether you're trying to get fit or you're trying to stay fit, Smoothie King has these Lean One smoothies. They can help you burn body fat up to 68% faster. They can help you fight hunger cravings. They deliver 27 vitamins and minerals. And you can try the Lean One Smoothie as a meal replacement. Try a Lean One Smoothie at Smoothie King today or tomorrow if you're busy. We got our high school sports update up next, thanks to Kelly Burt Dozer. And the last thing I would like to remind you of, text me, text me, text me. There's so many things right now to talk about. There's so much swirling out there. Whatever's on your mind, get it out of your head. Text me, 979-693-1150. Text now. Hello, sports fans. I'm Zach Taylor with your high school sports update on The Zone. This update is brought to you by Kelly Bird Dozer. We'll start off on the gridiron where College Station was taking on Georgetown Friday night in the 5A Division I Regional Quarterfinals in Waco. Handed off to Tony Hamilton. He's got the first down and more. He's inside the five, pushing to the goal line. Touchdown, Cougars! Tim Schnettler with the call on Maverick 100.9. College Station two-way player Tony Hamilton ran for three scores and pulled down an interception on defense and route to a 52-28 victory. Zach Dang and Connor Cashin also racked up rushing touchdowns for the Cougars, who got some payback after losing to the Eagles in the regular season. Coach Tony Pryor on what changed in the second leg of the series. Uh, well, we won. <laughs> so I guess the difference, you know, our kids, uh, they, they understand that we can do it. We're capable of doing it. You know, I talked to them that, that I think confidence is believing that you have the ability to win. Arrogance, on the other hand, is, is believing that you can't lose. And I think that's foolish. Uh, that usually comes right before a loss. Uh, but for our kids to work hard and, and to, to see a game through, Played in the first half, obviously that helped out as well. With the victory, Pryor and the Cougs advanced to take on Smithville in the regional semifinals. Kickoff is this Saturday at 2 p.m. in Pflugerville. Broadcast will be on Maverick 100.9. Brazos Christian saw its tremendous season come to an end this past Friday, falling to Lubbock Christian 65-0 in the Taps Division IV state semifinals. 
The Eagles wrap up their year at 6-6 six and six overall. Meanwhile, Franklin rolled past Hitchcock 53-18, while Burton bested Chilton 7-0. The Lions advanced to take on Columbus this Friday at 7, the same time that the Panthers will meet up with Granger. Elsewhere, Madisonville finished its campaign with a 60-21 loss to Silsby. Brenham was done in by Port Natchez Groves 38-28, and Cameron Yo fell to Columbus 48-14. Head out to the basketball court where there are several teams in action this week. The College Station boys are on the road tonight, taking on Bastrop at 7.30. Now tomorrow, the a Consolidated boys will visit Bryant for a crosstown showdown at 6.30, the same time that Rudder hosts Lufkin. Brazos Christian dukes it out with Providence Classical at 7. For the women, Bryant entertains Second Baptist tomorrow at 6. College Station welcomes North Crowley to town, and Rudder visits Huntsville at 6.30. Allen Academy meets international leadership of Texas Aggieland at 6, and St. Joe's heads to Alpha Omega at 7. And that's been your high school sports update, brought to you by Kelly Burt Dozer. On The Zone, I'm Zach Taylor. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.